welcome back to How to Activism with me, Lila Ingham Lucas. Today, I'm joined by my friend Kamaya um, to talk about Bernie Sanders's dropout uh, from the presidential race and um, sort of what comes next um, with an emphasis on Joe Biden, um, because I think there's a lot of controversy right now um, surrounding whether or not to um, blindly support him and get behind him um, as there's so many things swirling around him in his past and kind of present day um, coming back up. And I think there's just so much to address that people aren't talking about um, or are talking about in in ways that are hard to um, disagree with or really like um, approach, I guess, without seeming completely uh, for or against him. Um, so we want to kind of have that conversation today. Um, before we begin, though, I want to introduce my friend, Kamaya. Um, she's joining me. Kamaya, do you want to introduce yeah. yourself? Hello, everybody. I am Kamaya. I use she, her pronouns. And I work primarily with an organization called Washington Youth Climate Strike. Um, we have a pretty, some could say, polarizing stance on Joe Biden. I have my opinions, so I'm just really excited to get in this with Lila today, and I think we both really feel like it's an issue that we've been seeing circling amongst like young people on social media, and the conversation has just been really, really interesting, so we're excited to have it between the two of us, just a lot of food for thought, I think. Yes, all right, uh, let's yeah. begin. Um, so the thing that I think is at the top of everyone's um, minds right now um, is the allegation uh, Tara Reid um, just alleged of sexual assault against Joe Biden. Um, just to kind of get into the basics, um, because I think there's there's tons of headlines out there that you can read and a lot of tweets. Um, but I think it's really important to just kind of start with the um, beginning story. Before we begin, though, um, this should be um kind of evident but a uh, trigger warning to everyone who has um experienced sexual assault or um any kind of form of that or might just be um unable to handle this right now um because of past experiences um if you are unable to um listen to this we're going to post a timestamp on our instagram when this episode goes up um, and you can skip to that to avoid this conversation. Um, and then just hear our, our other points about him. Um, okay, so let's begin. Um, so basically, uh, what happened was um, this woman, uh, Tara, worked for Joe Biden's campaign, or worked in his Senate office um, from 1992 to 1993. She worked for him very briefly, um, and she mainly just kind of helped him organize interns. Um, she was not like a super senior person, um, but they did know each other um, and work together. Um, so then she uh, at one point was asked to bring him his gym bag, um, like from one part of the Senate office to uh, the gym. Um, however, her, in her allegation, she doesn't specify when exactly this happened, what time, what day, or where in the building. Um, but anyway, so then allegedly, um, he just sort of like, they just sort of like met and then all of a sudden, he um, pressed her up against the wall and um, tried to put his, he, um, well, he slipped his finger <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry, I'm not laughing. I'm just very uncomfortable. But um, he put his fingers um, up her skirt and um, and she was really upset with that. She said that it just sort of happened um, like all of a sudden, like he just was like on her um, and then he slipped his fingers up her skirt and, um, and assaulted her. Um, she quickly pushed him away though um, and verbally was like, no, please stop. Um, I don't want to do that. And then he allegedly like put his hands on her shoulder and was like, you're okay. Like, it's all good. Um, and just sort of like patted her 
like very condescendingly um and then they just sort of like split apart um she was really shaken by this um and so she called her mother and talked to a couple of friends she didn't file a a police report because um she wanted to keep it like inside the office um and so she talked to her superiors um within the senate office um but nothing happened from it um later the new york times reached out to some of the people involved um who are working like above her in the senate office and they said that they don't recall her ever um talking about the experience or really recounting anything um to them and um and it's it's sort of a tricky conversation she also said she reported it to um the senate leaders um she she filed a comment like within the senate um ethics committee i believe um however the um the file was has not been found um right now and um i think there's a lot of controversy around her timing within this um it's obviously a really um, critical case, I think, to the larger conversation around Joe Biden, because he, um, I think Democrats in general have seen, well, the world and, and the country especially has seen a reckoning among me too, starting with Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. in 2017. And um, there's, there's, there's been a, a large conversation around um, survivors and sexual assault in general, um, and how it should be addressed. Um, and that's, uh, and, and I think that's, that's brought up this case, um, and, and, and how to, um, treat survivors who, um, don't have, like, every piece of evidence check out, um, and, I yeah. just wanted yeah. to, do you wanna, yeah, I wanted on to build that? on that a little because I think like a lot of what you said about some of the um, contradictions or like the controversial things about this particular case, like a lot of them we also, I feel like saw paralleled with the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and with Dr. Blasey Ford and her testimony um, like a year or so ago. And I think it's really interesting because I remember that during that time, the general atmosphere around like the Democratic Party was they were really consistently having these headlines of believe all women like we believe Dr. Ford, we believe survivors. And it was really, I thought, pretty unified messaging, which was that they were like standing with Dr. Ford as she was testifying to um, allegations against Brett Kavanaugh from when she was in high school and similar to Tara Reid in this situation, Dr. Ford had like some gaps in her memory. She hadn't told a lot of people like during the time it occurred. And like, obviously, Brett Kavanaugh was completely like, she's making this up. Like, I didn't do anything like this. Like, she's overreacting. The same kind of rhetoric that we're seeing to an extent with Joe Biden now. And I think it really um, speaks to a deeper seated issue that isn't just about the Me Too movement, but is also about how these movements become politicized because of different parties and what they want politically. Like the Democratic Party was all about Believe All Women and all about Dr. Ford when we were talking about a Republican Supreme Court um, justice nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, and they did not want a Republican on the court. But now all of a sudden, their Democratic nominee is the one facing these allegations. And they're poking holes in Tara Reid's story and they're not standing by their believe all women rhetoric anymore. And I think that really speaks to the political motivation behind these like ethical appeals. I think it's interesting that we're seeing such parallels between these stories. And yet the Democratic Party's position on it is completely different now that it's one of their own that's being accused.
So I just think that adds like a little nuance to the framing of the story. Like we've seen the New York Times completely just blowing off Joe Biden's like clear sexual misconduct and saying that all it was was kissing and hugging and touching women. Like, I don't know what world you're in, but to me, that sounds like sexual misconduct, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a wide, like, I um, I definitely was part of some Slack groups that were sending um, this article to like the the groups um, maybe two or three or I think maybe even more weeks ago um, and there's definitely been like a silence from mainstream news outlets to cover this story. Um, the New York Times especially has come under fire. They had a lot of really problematic. Um, like titles like article titles um and tweets uh like just for instance um they had this one article run um that said like brett kavanaugh fit in with privileged kids she meaning christine blasey ford did not um or like another one that said like christine blasey ford a drastic turn from a quiet life in academia um or like with caffeine and determination christine blasey ford relives her trauma um i think there's like a lot of examples of the New York Times and other mainstream media being um, very shifty and like unable to address claims like this um, the proper the proper way really um, I think even in the article that just broke like I think eight or nine hours ago um, from this morning about this um, in like the first paragraph or something they talk about um, or no I believe it's in the fourth paragraph they sort of just like go on this tangent where they're like she filed a police report this morning um here I'll read you the quote it goes on Thursday morning Mrs. Reed filed a report with the Washington DC police saying she was a victim of sexual assault in 1993 um and then the paragraph ends by just sort of randomly saying filing a false uh false police report may be punishable by a fine or imprisonment um which was very like um like I uh, it seemed to me as though sort of biased um in that like in in just a very strange in a very strange way yeah um I think um there is something else I forgot to add uh when talking about this story um, which is that uh, Mrs. Reed was fired a couple of months after this happened. Um, and then allegedly she says it's because she was asked to um, serve drinks at a um, at like a fundraiser uh, that Joe Biden was at. And she refused because she said that Joe Biden had told her that like he liked her legs. Um, and that they looked really nice Um, and so then she didn't want to serve the drinks there Um, and then she was fired and she was told like you have a month to find another job Um, which is sort of like another like interesting thing um, is that like I think we see a pattern of um, women reporting these um, allegations or trying to and then um, people finding out and silencing them by firing them, um, which is um, usually traceable to silencing. Um, but in this case, her firing is disputable. Um, so I think that's that's where the story ends, um, where like the actual story ends. Um, but I think when you start to dig into it, it's um it's 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 just really hard um I think you said it really perfectly when you said like there is sort of this yeah shifting narrative into like when when do we believe all women what's what's the what's the true meaning behind believe all women are there whether you think that Tara Reid's story holds up um I think like either way anyone has to come to the conclusion that the Democratic Party has its motivations behind what it does. Like, even if you say that Tara Reid's story might have some holes in it, like, no matter what, you have to recognize that 
they defended Dr. Ford and they're not defending her. So I just think that it speaks to that larger issue of this huge establishment that's been set up to protect people like Biden, um, no matter what the cost is. Yeah. Um, And then kind of on another note, um, at least for me, I guess the the two things that I really wanted to talk about on this podcast um, and the two reasons why I just feel giant reserve in in like full-heartedly supporting Joe Biden um, is that allegation and also his history, uh, his voting history generally. Um, I think it's it's really evident for everyone that's been in politics for a long time to have a problematic <laughs> voting history. Um, I mean, <laughs> kind of in a lot of ways, except Bernie Sanders, who did have a flawed voting True. history with guns. Um, but I think Joe Biden's is especially worrying to me. Um, and it sort of brings a larger question of like, if this is what he believes, or is it even really like what he believes? Um, how do we know how he's going to feel um, or how he's going yeah, to act yeah. in the White House? Um, there were like a couple of key issues I really want to talk about. Um, the first one is social security. Um, if you've paid a lot of attention to the news um, or to any of the Democratic debates, um, I think you've probably heard this before, um, but Joe Biden has talked about cutting social security. Um, he's talked about trading it um, or like being willing to compromise by cutting social security to get uh, something that he wants. Um, there's a lot of differing accounts between what he said in debates and what his staff has said um, and what other candidates have said. Um, but the fact that he's been willing to um, cut that and or even just put it on the table as something to maybe compromise something for or on um, is sort of troubling to me. Um, and then secondly, abortion rights. Um, people have talked a lot about the Hyde Amendment, um, which basically just is an amendment that ensures that um, Black women and poor women, um, or really just women of color, have access to um, medical or like have access to doctors and abortions. Um, and he has been, he's voted um, to get rid of that. Um, but he's sort of gone back and forth on this. Uh, a couple of months ago, he was directly confronted by, uh, or he was directly confronted on this issue. And he basically said like every, if you've been in the Senate long enough, Um, like Republicans just like this is one of the things that they'll put they'll like sneak into legislation as like a poison pill Um, and like I think he said like every every uh, Democrat has voted to get rid of the Hyde Amendment at a certain point in their career um, which is a very weak (laughs) way to defend it Um, uh, and then finally just the Iraq war um, which he was one of the many Democrats who voted for the Iraq war. Um, and I think as a disclaimer, um, both me and Kamaya were born mm-hmm. after 9-11 um, and don't understand, I think, the, the atmosphere, the political atmosphere. Um, and, and we could never fully and completely understand the political atmosphere um, and the decisions that elected leaders had to make in response to it um but in a lot of ways it seems to me from everything that I've learned that a vote for the Iraq war was sort of um a a weak one based in fear um and it was sort of just like how can I seem strong and and it's important to defend America um, to some extent. And the fact that 9-11 happened at all is totally scary. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, what are... we've done, what America 
America has done to yeah. like dozens of countries is basically the equivalent of 9-11. It's just, you know, we paint out 9-11 to be like, how dare they bomb American soil? But we've bombed dozens and dozens of countries since World War II. Like, it's, it's really, it's, it's horrible. But anyway, that's a tangent. You can continue. <laughs> Yes. No, no, no. That, that mainly just addressed what I wanted to say. Like, I think there was this idea, like, how, how dare you mess with America? Like, we must, we must Mm -hmm. mess with you back. But I think, A, there's a complete inequity as America has the largest army in the world. And it's, I think it's like bigger than the next eight countries' armies combined. Um, Like, just the magnitude of the American military complex is just like ginormous. Um, but then to vote for the Iraq war is, is, is kind of inexcusable to a certain point. Like, I think a lot of Democrats have tried to explain it. Um, but, and also there were Democrats that didn't vote for the Iraq war. Barack Obama and Bernie Sanders did not vote for the Iraq war. Um, so it's, it's not even like, I think the excuse that in a lot of ways I've heard is like everyone else is doing it, um, to boil it down. Um, or like I want it to seem strong which is such a flawed way to govern and definitely not what I want the next president to act like like I want them to make informed like like empathetic but also just like really Mm -hmm. rational decisions Um, and voting for the Iraq war is is like a really great example and then failure from Joe Biden uh Yeah, and I think there's a number of other issues in which he's shown the same thing. Like, uh, there's been a lot of flip-flopping with him on, like, marriage equality. I mean, maybe flip-flopping isn't the right word, but a very long process towards understanding marriage equality and the need for it. And he did vote against um, something that would give marriage equality to LGBT plus people, or specifically to same-sex marriage, I should say. And his claim for voting against it was that he believes it should be a state issue and not um, by the national federal government, which I guess if you're trying to find any justification for that, you could use that. But to me, I hear that as a very conservative talking point, which is that, hey, the national government will stay out of your personal business. But for people who live in states that have a super, super conservative government, in states where like there's barely any separation between church and state like that's such a damaging thing to say like leave it up to the states everyone no matter what state boundary they live in deserves access to be able to get married to whoever they want to get married to so that's one thing he did come around on that and since then he has been kind of an advocate for lgbt plus rights but at the very least he's come around and advocated for marriage equality since then um but I think another there's also just been like there's well there's also just been like ways I think where he's been really tone deaf Mm -hmm. where he's like made jokes um about marriage equality there was one uh he was in Seattle and he just sort of like he was like oh like you can't make gay (laughs) really essentially his joke was like oh you can't make gay jokes anymore um and then he followed it up with like which is a good thing but the joke itself was a joke about not being able to make gay jokes um and so like even though he has come around I think there's also been points where he's just been sort of tone deaf to the um to the true effect of his 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 not complete um dedication I guess like investment um, which is, I guess, like, a whole nother thing to talk about with him. Um, but overall, like, even in the issues he's come around to, he doesn't fully, I, it seems to me, understand the weight of um, the ramifications, like, what our world would be like if he, if if gay marriage hadn't been legalized. Um, and, and, like, the continued suppression of LGBTQIA plus people. Um, like, it's not even, like, him supporting gay marriage or gay marriage legalizing in general has like mm-hmm. solved all homophobia um but I feel like he doesn't even fully understand the ramifications of that um well yeah, but yeah like, parallel to that is on racial justice he's just missed the mark and in fact 
hurt the racial justice movement over and over again. Like back in 1975, mm-hmm. the point that Kamala Harris brought up in that one really iconic debate moment, as much as I dislike Kamala Harris, she did really get Joe Biden with that comment calling him out, rightfully so, for his vote against busing, um, which would be like basically busing. I'm sure you've yeah. heard it, but if you don't exactly know what it means, it's helping students who live in certain communities get bused to a school that's better funded, that has better education. And it all comes it all comes down to the history of segregation in America where there was racial zoning and the schools that were um, for predominantly black and brown students were had a worse education, were, were funded less, um, and were all around just not as quality as the schools in white communities. And so Biden said that basically he said, let's keep the school segregated. Let's keep the black kids and the brown kids at their school and let the white kids have their nice school. And that was really, really disastrous to um, kind of the more modern civil rights movement. And on top of that, he's lied so many times about his advocacy for racial justice. Um, Sean King has covered it in some of his articles, like Joe Biden saying that he marched alongside during the Civil Rights March, which Bernie Sanders did, but Biden was not there. Um, He talked about being an activist and an organizer, and like he led boycotts, and he led voter registration events, and blah, 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 blah. Like he was just this great advocate during the civil rights movement. But you, we keep, we've kept looking for that stuff. Reporters like Sean King and other ones have kept looking for proof of this and have turned up empty handed. So either Joe Biden is confused or there's no proof of what he did, or more likely he's just lying to make it seem like he's an advocate for the black community when he's clearly but not been um and i think that he still to this day as seen with his policy like if you look at his policy platform he clearly does not recognize the structural change it will take to dismantle institutional racism in this country institutional racism that he actually upheld with that busing vote um and other things so to lila's point about like just not understanding the gravity of his actions as this straight privileged old white man who has spent his entire life in establishment politics. How is he supposed to relate to like the people, like the people who have been living life as a marginalized person through the American systems? How is he supposed to understand what they need and what they want when he doesn't even listen to them, when he shuts them down every chance he gets? So I don't know. Yeah, I think that's really well put. <laughs> um, and I think that overall addresses um, the thing that I really want, the way that I really want to start this podcast, which is the idea that Joe Biden um, is in no way, I think, a perfect nominee. Um, and and supporting him without understanding this stuff is not... Um, not okay. Is... is yeah, it's not okay. Um, taking all of that into account, though, um, I sort of want to um, take a temperature check for both of us um, and talk about, like, like at the end of the day, like, in November, it's going to be Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Um, and, and taking all of just like thinking about everything that we've covered, um, that's obviously really upsetting to a lot of people who have supported kind of any other candidate but Joe Biden, but especially Bernie Sanders, um, who doesn't have the same flawed past. Um, but I, I think the, the question is, like, how how do we... I is is there a way to to 
completely support Joe Biden or to support Joe Biden um, while addressing these flaws. Um, I think I think it's hard. Um, I know we've talked a lot about this off mic um, and I have sort of shared how I feel, uh, which is just that like I think there needs to be a, mm-hmm. a consolidation mm-hmm. among the left um, and especially especially Democrats, but even people who maybe identify as socialist um, or communist or like or non-affiliated or independent um because his Mm -hmm. his because at the end of the day like we need to defeat trump uh and it's really hard right At, at least for me personally to say that because i mean like all of this is is so upsetting um all of it is is awful like to be completely frank um but but trump would be worse um and 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 so we need to unite to defeat him i think i was listening to positive america uh a couple days ago and one of the hosts on it john john favreau made a really good point which he said like we all need to be Joe Biden's ally, like starting today, every single day until the election. And then right after he's elected, we need to be his greatest adversary, um, which I thought lent well to the feeling that I, as a Bernie supporter, am feeling, um, which is like getting a Democrat in the White House does not solve every problem, even if that Democrat was Bernie Sanders, but having a Democrat so flawed um, be our nominee, like we, there's no way to have a new nominee. Like Joe Biden is the nominee, uh, but we we need to support him despite all of this because anyone is better than Donald well, Trump. I definitely i mean clearly i disagree <laughs> um but i do think that there are some really yeah. valid points there which is that for a lot of communities a little bit better is a whole lot better than nothing at all um and i think that it's important like there are there have been valid points made like maybe joe biden isn't going to give medicare to everyone but he's going to give medicare to a couple more people and that's better than trump However, and here's, like, my big, like, the but to that, is that if we elect Joe Biden, which I personally think he will not win if against Trump, I think that he just will not have a big enough face. And we can talk on this podcast about uniting the left, but the DNC has just proven time and time again that they don't care about a huge fragment of their party that that fragment being the people like people of color and workers and immigrants and young people like they clearly do not care um so i think that's Mm -hmm. well if i could just interject for a second i mean to joe biden's defense which Mm -hmm. (laughs) is a sentence i don't say very often um but he was supported um by african americans in just ginormous majorities um Afro- African Americans well it kind of might be a question um that you and I have over why um but they do support him um and did support him in in um the primary tremendously um Latinx people supported Bernie Sanders a lot um and and definitely they leaned to Bernie Sanders but African Americans yes did support Joe Biden point. um I mean, people of color is more, it's encompassing of more than just African-Americans. So I should have clarified that, is that he did get the African-American vote to a large extent. And as for that, I'm pretty sure most of us would accredit it to his connection with Obama. And there really is something to be said about having representation 
um, no matter what, like, even though I really dislike Kamala Harris politically, like, having a brown woman on stage did make me have respect for her that I would not have had had she been white or had she not been South Asian. Um, So I think that that's very true. And that is a nuanced point. But I still think that an overwhelming number of people have lost a lot of faith in the Democratic Party. And they see very little need to give that party any more credibility um, by showing them that they can elect someone like that. And I don't think that that Com- like that doesn't rebut any of the points you made it's just like another way of thinking about it because I genuinely don't think any of the points for voting for Biden can really be refuted because honestly there's good reasons to vote for him like we need Trump out that's true but there are more dangers from Biden that exist um, and I think that voting for Biden is to a lot of people feels like allowing the establishment to continue to thrive and people are ready for non-establishment politics they're ready for big change and I think a lot of people feel like that change has to now come from the outside because you I mean I re- I think that's an interesting point like be Biden's ally then be his adversary when he gets elected if he gets elected but I think that I don't think that he's going to be swayed greatly by people protesting once he's been elected because to him and to the democratic establishment it's like hey he's elected like we're all good now like we don't have anything to worry about we have no one to be accountable to anymore now that our guy is in which is why i think that all the outside pressure is going to have to come before we grant him our vote and that's why i think a really important tactic that like non-democratic leftists can utilize right now is making demands of his campaign and forcing him to be more progressive and to be more representative of the people, forcing him to expand his Medicare plan, forcing him to, you know, abolish ICE, abolish the CBP, like forcing him to have more structural racial justice policies. I think that if we keep forcing him down that path of progressiveness, that's one thing that we can do um, in order to feel better about potentially having to vote for him and I don't think that that change will be as effective once he gets elected and I also think that it's really hard to tell people that they have to vote for Joe Biden that they have to help unify the Democratic Party because for survivors for LGBT plus people for women for African-American people for immigrants for like young people, youth, it's so hard to be, you can't tell someone like that to vote for a candidate who does not care about their existence. Like there's this video of Joe Biden, like there's a couple activists with an organization called Sunrise and they go to Joe Biden and they ask him about his climate plan. And he literally tells them like, go vote for Trump. Like, I don't need your vote if, um, if you don't like my plan or whatever. And that's showing people that he does not care about these people. Like he's literally telling you, telling them to go. This was a long time ago. This was before he became the um, expected nominee. But still, things like that, like him running away from people, his constituents trying to ask him questions, like that shows that he is not accountable to the people whatsoever. And you cannot ask people to. You cannot tell them that they're a bad person or that they're going to ruin the future of the Democratic Party if they don't vote for Biden. I think that you can, every individual has the right to do what they want. I'm not going to attack anyone for voting for Biden and no one should be attacking people for not voting for Biden, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I think it does. I think a lot of the points that um, you and I made yeah. are sort of stalemate. Like I think there isn't like at, at the end of the at the end of the day, it really just comes down to mm-hmm. your values and beliefs. And I'm not sure there's like articles um, that we could like send each other to be like, you're wrong on this. They're like, I'm obviously right here um, because it's really just mm-hmm. like a values question. Um, I. Yeah, 
yeah um but i i hope that illustrates to people listening um the different sides of the spectrum uh on on beliefs here and like views um but there is sort of a whole nother conversation especially that like we as youth have to have um because obviously neither of us are going to be able to vote in november um but furthermore like we can do things um to be involved in politics uh we can't vote but we can be part of organizations that endorse in your (laughs) instance um or canvas and phone bank uh so you your organization washington climate strike has sort of come under fire recently uh for saying that you guys will Mm -hmm. not endorse joe biden can you sort of explain your thought process for that uh and what led you initially i guess which is pretty simple but what led you to endorse bernie sanders and then decide now that bernie sanders has dropped out what your next move of not endorsing joe biden yeah how Um, you came to that decision well that's a three-part question i'll start with like why we did endorse Bernie (laughs) and although our organization one of our values is anti-electoralism in the sense that no we're not gonna not participate in electoral politics whatsoever but we firmly recognize that electoral politics is not going to be how we solve the climate crisis or any of the issues intersected with it we believe that that change can only come from the outside and can only come from a huge upheaval of the system's such as capitalism and colonialism that have caused the climate crisis and other issues like racial justice issues, immigration issues, gender justice issues, economic rights, and everything else. Um, And Bernie Sanders, though he was definitely not a perfect candidate by any means, out of all the presidential candidates, he by far had the most comprehensive um, policy platform that addressed one, the climate crisis from different views of economic and racial justice, as well as just in general, um, policies that were slowly working to dismantle a lot of the really harmful institutions in our country, like a prime example being private health insurance. That is not something that should exist in America anymore because people, like tens of thousands of people die each year because they can't afford the health insurance they need. That should not be a reality in this country. And Bernie Sanders' platform was a really important step in the right direction to reducing that. So that's kind of where we came from with that endorsement. It was more than just climate justice. It was about just in general, his vision for the future of America. Um, And so when he dropped out, it was clear immediately to all of us that we could not endorse Joe Biden. And that was less about our views on uniting the left and uniting the Democrats, but more like saying that if we give him our support without demanding anything from him first, that's giving him way too much power and it's giving the Democratic establishment way too much power to keep doing the same thing, knowing that they'll get the leftist leftist votes just because we're too afraid of Um, Trump or whoever the Republican is in that given situation and that was not something like we the Democratic establishment is super harmful maybe not as harmful as the Republicans but they are still a very dangerous institution that we don't believe in supporting Um, so no endorsing Biden was at least at that exact moment right after Bernie dropped out was not going to happen and we almost there's almost no way we can endorse him until unless for some crazy reason he did a full 180 on his platform and became this radical Mm -hmm. you know like socialist guy which is not going to happen the the establishment wouldn't let that happen um so there's no endorsement for biden coming from us anywhere in the future um but as for other alternatives People have said, like, what about canvassing? What about phone banking? What about using your platform to encourage people to at least vote? And I don't think we have a responsibility to to get out the vote for Joe Biden. He's 
disrespected young climate activists over and over, if we're looking at just his climate plan, he's calling for change by 2050, which according to all the reports out there, most notably being the UN's um, inter intergovernmental panel on climate change report from just two years ago, or sorry, one year ago, um, we need to have radical action in the next decade, not in 20 or 30 years. So his plan falls short on that account and it falls short on every other account too. So we don't have a responsibility to give him our support if he's not gonna give um, us his support. And so far, we're, I mean, we're doing research into the Green Party and the Socialist Party candidate um, to see if there's a potential endorsement or if not an endorsement, rather a amplification of either of those two campaigns. But Joe Biden is definitely not even a contender, so. I think from my point of view, I, I, I have been kind of, I guess, feeling pressure from both sides of this conversation on whether or not to like support Joe Biden. Um, but I haven't really seen many people talk about whether or not there's an obligation to um, canvas or phone bank for him. I think that obviously comes hand in hand with the decision to support him. Um, but I, I guess I think about it as like, if if Donald Trump is reelected in November, which again is like I I think I think there's a lot of problems with like electability and and whether or not Joe Biden is is able to beat Trump and and you earlier said that you don't think he is. I think I I personally believe that that the election is completely up in the air. Like the uh, FBI. Um, information release came from um the, the one about hillary clinton's emails was released three days before the election um that she had against donald trump in 2016 uh and i mean the Hol the access hollywood tape though i think it didn't sway enough people um came in october there's yeah. i mean famously like the october surprise um in every election and i think we're so far from the election date in so many ways that that it's so yeah, up in the air. I mean, could, even this what coronavirus, like said, his, what more could his approval ratings are going Trump up. That won't change what's like, he's been accused of absolutely heinous things and disgusting acts. And even if you're not someone, even if you're some like really immoral person who doesn't care about the things that he's done, or at least, accusedly done to women then he's acted some could say unpatriotically like with all the impeachment trials going on like what more I personally believe that there's nothing else that someone could say about Donald Trump that will cost him this election because we've artly like he he had he went through impeachment trials and still the public perception of him according to a lot of polls like he's still I don't know. I, I really hate to believe that our country is this enamored by such a horrible person, but I think the numbers show that somehow they are. And that's why it really scares me to know that someone like Biden, who already is splitting up his own party, I just don't believe he's going to be able to get enough support from either side to beat the incumbent right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what you're saying is, is mostly true, but I still sort of, I, I think that it's really yeah. like, it's not over till it's over. And so many horrible things have um, completely like Trump. Like I, I, I can't think of anything more that could be said. Like, it's not like, Oh, but if someone says that Trump did this, then he won't be, um, like then Republicans will turn on him or independents will turn on him. I mean, I think even like the Stormy Daniels thing that came out, like his affair with a porn star, like that is in direct contradiction mm -hmm. to Republican family values. Um, but even so, like, I think no one could have predicted this pandemic. 
um well I mean scientists predicted it like ahead of time but I mean like a year ago no one could have thought like oh you know like him handling a pandemic might change the public perception I I just think like there needs to be despite everything there there should be like we should be doing everything we possibly can to stop Trump from getting elected and right now it seems as though canvassing and phone banking for Joe Biden is like the easiest thing to do in direct contradiction uh and like cuz it's not like there's a there's a way to call Trump supporters and be like hey i have i have conflicting views on whether or not i like Joe Biden or whether or not he's a good person or whether or not that he could beat Trump but like i'm calling you right now not in support of a candidate but just can you please not support Trump right. uh like like there isn't any way to to, to stop Trump except to support someone else right now. And um, so I sort of feel an obligation to a phone bank for him um, in in critical states um, that could flip yeah. or determine the election. I mean, I for... But again, it's, it's a think, hard decision. I think at least, at the uh, very like, least, the yeah. two of us are in really different boats because, like, a lot of Biden's past policies... Ne- haven't necessarily affected you in the same way that they might have affected, you know, a person of color or a like a less privileged person, you know, like, of course, as a woman, there are a lot of issues with Biden that are going to rub you the wrong way that are going to rub me the wrong way that will rub, rub so many people the wrong way. But at least for me, if I was on the phone with someone trying to tell like whether they were, you know, a Democrat that was just unsure about Biden or a super, super radical leftist. I just don't think I could morally tell them to vote for someone who represents oppressive oppressive systems. Like he is the embodiment of centrist, passive, corporate, capitalist oppression. And I just, I could not, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll change my mind if when it really comes down to it. But right now, I just cannot imagine myself even having an or having any real, honest, genuine like talking point to someone for why they should vote for Joe Biden other than, hey, he'll mitigate the damage that Trump could cause to some extent. But like, I mean, take take climate change just as one specific issue. Like Yes, having someone who believes in climate change would be better than someone who doesn't believe in climate change. But and I saw this interesting like analogy on Twitter. But like say that you're you're like drowning in a lake or whatever and you say, "Hey, can you can you give me like that life jacket?" And one person says, "I can give it to you in 2 weeks." The other person says, "I'll give it to you in 2 days." Either way, you're still going to like you're going to die no matter what whether they give it to you in 2 weeks or 2 days. And to me, that's that's maybe not the best comparison mm-hmm. for some issues, but at least on climate, I mean, which is an issue I'm really passionate about, that is an extremely accurate representation of having Biden or Trump. Now, what if you said to one of the people that has the life jacket, like, I'm going to, I don't know, like, steal all your money if you don't give me a life jacket or put some kind of pressure on them, then without and like say that you you haven't agreed to either one of their offers yet but to one of them you say i'm going to take away all your money if you don't give me that life jacket you're putting pressure on them before you've agreed to their offer so that they'll be more inclined to be better for you and i think that's what we need to do with biden um and i think that honestly if people don't vote for biden it'll be a lot easier to to get people mobilized the same way people mobilized Um, In 2016 and in 2017, right after Trump's inauguration, people mobilized at such a horrific president. And I worry that for a lot of the more privileged um, activists or organizers out there, a Biden election will really make them complacent because all of a sudden a lot of the problems that were once in existence under Trump have now paled for people with more privilege. So I worry that having Biden will lead to complacency if we don't push him more progressive while we have the opportunity.
Yeah. I I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I completely disagree with you. Um I yeah, I think I think it's up to people listening to sort of decide to take all of this into account and and think about think about their privilege mm-hmm. and think about the power of their vote and the power of um, an organization if they have some kind of ability within an organization to endorse or an ability to canvas or phone bank if they feel that it's critical for them to support Joe Biden despite like the horrific his horrific mm-hmm. past and present policies with climate and his flip-flopping um Mm -hmm. on tons of issues like abortion um i think i think it's a really hard decision and i i really hope i really really hope that whatever people decide and like even if people like people listening to this like once this podcast ends like they think about it after um and i hope that they think about it through November when when the election date comes uh, and really just the decision that they make like I really hope that it comes from a place yeah. of just like tons of information and if they decide to vote for Joe Biden I hope they read all of the stuff all of the all of the flaws and all of the problems um, that he comes with and they decide to vote for him knowing all of that stuff. Uh, or if they don't decide to vote for him, they've read they've read everything um, and they fully understand that they're not voting could lead to Donald Trump being reelected. And maybe that even if they did vote, Donald Trump would be uh, yes, reelected. They should think about- um, and they should but, also they should also But they are part of it. But they sh- that- they should just think choosing to mm-hmm. not vote for Biden like that does not mean it's their fault if Trump gets reelected it's only the fault of the democratic establishment the corruption of both parties um and the sheer non-democracy that the democratic establishment represents that's going to be why Trump gets reelected if he does in November it has nothing to do with the individual who cast their ballot not in favor of Biden and for people who are still in two minds and they're concerned about what happens if they don't vote for Biden, I, ju- I, did, I already said, like, it's not going to be your fault whether Trump gets elected. But there are, are so many other ways to make change outside of the electoral system that, in my humble opinion, are infinitely more powerful than just your voting power. I think the biggest, most effective change has come from the outside, like outside of the system, outside of the White House, outside of the establishment. And I think that if if you know in your heart that you can't vote for Joe Biden, then you have, like, I welcome you. I welcome you to the side of revolution. I welcome you to the side of (laughs) anti-establishment and anti-electoral work. And I think that there's, there's, there's room for you if you don't feel like you can vote for Joe Biden in the movement that's aiming to take Trump down and take people like Biden down with him. (laughs) And on that note, uh, this is getting a bit long, so I think we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Where Um, can people find you and your work? On Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. <laughs> That's my organization, Washington Climate Strike. And you can <laughs> find me at Instagram or Twitter. I also have a TikTok, but I'm not going to share that one. Um, at Kamaya.Mahajan for Instagram or at M <laughs> underscore Kamaya on Twitter. And shoot me a DM anytime. I'd love to talk. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> awesome okay well i hope you know kamaya yeah. that i love you, you but i will still try to analyze you but <laughs> <is> all over <laughs> <laughs>
Hey everyone, I know that was a bit longer of an episode than I usually make, but uh, I appreciate you singing out and listening till the end to hear me say this. Uh, so please remember to follow us down below. Um, all of our social media is linked down below. My social media is linked down below. The podcast social media is linked down below. Kamaya's social media is linked down below. And Washington Climate Strike social media is linked below. Check all of that stuff out. Follow all of it. Uh, and I'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.